0: Welcome to the Disciples Dialogue, where believers celebrate their commonalities, share their testimonies, and edify the body of Christ. Each episode contains healthy conversations between Brother Till and a guest speaker. Thanks for joining the Disciples Dialogue.
1: Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome back to the Disciples Dialogue. I have a a guest with me, one that you may be familiar with. He was my first guest on the Disciples Dialogue, and we're so grateful to have him back with us. Brother Jesse Blake, welcome back to the Disciples Dialogue.
0: Uh, Good to be here again. I guess uh, it went over pretty good first time. (laughs) I got got a second invite.
1: Anytime you get another invite, you know you did something right. Um, Today, uh, I want to, first of all, uh, say thank you for joining me. I know it was short notice. Um, To all of you who were expecting... uh, The episode that I have been promoting with Brother Randy Hall out of South Carolina on the signs of thy coming Uh, for the second time. um, We have had some technical difficulties um, while recording, and I was not able to get that episode out. Um, And so I reached out to Brother Blake, and he was so gracious as to uh, come and join me again for another topic. And so today uh, we want to talk about something that uh, is very Uh, important and I think that it it demands attention um, because it is so prevalent in today's society and and it has been for thousands of years but uh, in a different way now Um, and today we're going to talk about slave mentality. Slave mentality of course uh, slavery um, goes back as long as the human history human history has been around six ten thousand years depending on how you cut that but Um, slavery is nothing new. Uh, Of course, we find that, um, people of all types, nations and nationalities have, have been in bondage and in slavery and, and it looks different throughout the world and throughout time. Um, of course, for us today in 2022, uh, it looks different, but there is a mentality that comes along with slavery, uh, that I think that we deal with more now than, uh, actual chains, um, made of iron or, or what have you that they would used to use. And so uh, to kick us off, Brother Blake, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about uh, what you think when you think of slave mentality, the mindset that comes with that.
0: Well, I'm, I made this statement. Uh, for those of, of our listeners that don't know, um, the past couple of weeks our Sunday school lesson has been on slavery. Uh, you kicked it off with, um, you know, a slave can be free. Or we, you know, the price has been paid for our freedom, and, and then this past Sunday, uh, our title topic was uh, leaving slavery. So not only can we be free, we have to leave. Uh, and I made the statement in the beginning of my lesson that uh, the slavery, like you said, is not uh, it's not a new topic. It's uh, something that's been around for you know thousands and thousands of years, and uh, we don't necessarily, especially as Americans. Uh, we don't deal with slavery in that sense that it's been dealt with for thousands of years. I know it's around, but uh, that's not what I think of when I think of slave mentality. Mm -hmm. That's not what I think about. Uh, What we deal with as the church and as as Christians in 2022 is a spiritual slavery and a spiritual slave mentality Mm -hmm. to the things of this world and to the sin that has bound us and. Mm -hmm. And enslaved us. That to me, that's what I, I think.
1: Right, and so it's it's kind of in the words that we use when we say slave mentality. Of course, um, the word also comes, uh, mental comes from that word mentality, uh, and and it's something that happens between the ears, right? It's it's when, within our uh, consciousness, within our the way that we think, the way that we operate as human beings, um, and so. There's something in our uh, psyche, if you want to say it like that, um, to where we can become attached in in many different ways, attached to the things of the world, uh, and and even in in our conversion, uh, we can become attached to the things of God. Um, it's I, I believe, and I'm not a psychiatrist or um, any doctor or anything like that, but what I would say in my own experience is is that um we there's a void inside of all of us that longs to be filled and i think that there's this innate um part of us when we were created by the hands of god that that we attach ourselves very easily to things and so in the sense of uh, a slave mentality and we're bound you know we we're, the bible says that we're uh, born in sin, shaping in iniquity, and so um, no one is born perfect. We have to be delivered from those, that bondage, that, that sin, um, because of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, um, but we also see that uh, once you're freed from that, and even before you're freed from that, you, there's, a, there's a, a slave-like mentality that comes with it. You, you serve the things of the world right? We, we serve the things of the world. We serve the flesh. Um, and and when you convert uh, to Christianity and you you born again of the water and of the Spirit, I believe that that mentality carries over to the things of God. And we should long to serve God. You know, Paul said that he he likened himself to a a, a slave and a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And so could you talk a little bit about the the mentality and and how we attach our things our, ourselves to things
0: I think it's something that's built into us as just humans in general that we have that that need within us to, like you said, to belong mm-hmm. to be accepted and and the brokenness and the sin of this world will always accept us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how close to God we get. All it takes is one turn, and sin will open its arms and welcome us back into it. Right. Uh, and it literally becomes, in, in our life, living in sin before you know, before we turn to the Lord or before we start living for God, um, it becomes, uh, we we form in ourselves coping mechanisms. Mm. You know, things happen in our life, and, and we know what to do to cope with those things, right. whether it's drugs or, or whether it's uh, even gossip or, you know, depression or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a myriad of things that you, you could name all day long, the things that we turn to uh, as a coping mechanism. right? And so those, in a way, have, they, they have a way of enslaving us in themselves because no matter how far we go, the minute that we make a mistake, we want to turn back to those things. Wow. Paul recognized that in, uh, I believe I quoted in Galatians, where he said that uh, you know when you, you didn't know God, you know, you served those things. Yes. And now that you know him and that you're known of him, mm. why are you again trying to return to those things? So Paul recognized that that was a problem, that our flesh would always desire to turn back into that slave mentality and wow. and to serve those things that, that are comfort to us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's always going to be uncomfortable uh, when we're trying to live for God because He doesn't God doesn't always give us the answers that we want, for mm-hmm. one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not be uh, the answer we're expecting. Mm -hmm. And and it's hard sometimes to accept that when we're living for God and we want to be comforted and and things don't go the way that we think they should go or we're looking for a specific answer. Mm -hmm. uh, Then, you know, it it shakes us up. Our our emotions Mm kind of get the better of us and we'll immediately, you know, well, you know, maybe God don't like me or God doesn't accept me. Maybe I've sinned. Maybe, you know. A number of different things that can force us back into that mm. that slave mentality. Yeah. Uh, so we're searching for that to belong that that that's in us. Yeah. And if we can if we can just focus that in prayer and fasting and and reading God's word and drawing closer to Him. Yeah. Uh, then when those things happen, uh, and and we've seen it very recently with uh, the passing of Brother Clark and um, and Sister Clark, you know, talking to her and seeing the way that. In this time of trouble Mm -hmm. that uh, she immediately turned straight to the Lord, that her focus is on the Lord, her faith is still in the Lord. And it's because of a lifetime of not serving Mm. her flesh and not serving the things of this world. Mm. That's the only way she was able to do that. Wow. So, you know, not saying that she has totally escaped that slave mentality because it's in all of us, yeah. but the closer you get to the Lord, the the less that those things of the world will mean to you, the less connection you have to them, the less likely you're going to be to turn to them when when you need that comfort or that acceptance.
1: Yeah. You you said something, and I get the, it kind of a light bulb turned on for me just now as you was talking, and that is that none of us are exempt from a slave mentality and so to think you know well i don't want to have slave mentality i don't want to serve anything i don't want to serve you know some people would say well i don't want to serve god i don't uh, i don't want him to be my master but and they say that under the guise of that they don't have a master but the fact is you know, and and Jesus alluded to this. You no man can serve two masters, but you will serve one, right? And so you're either serving God, yep. or and, and building His kingdom, or you're serving self, and you're serving the, you're a servant to the flesh and the desires of the flesh. Right. And so um, I think that that there again it goes. It's a part of the mentality you can almost talk yourself out of the fact that you have that mentality. Yeah. And it's dangerous to me to think that we would, um, you know, we are so manipulative to where we can uh, cause ourselves to believe that that we don't serve anything, um, whether it be God or whether it be our own desires. Um, but if it's not God, then by default it is our own desires that we're serving.
0: Well, you, you mentioned it uh, last Sunday, uh, talking about um... – who's on the throne of your life and Mm. whoever you're serving and whoever you're worshiping, that's who's on the throne of your life. And, uh, that's how it's so easy. We see people that, uh, uh, are trying to live for God. And it's like, you can see that they're living a lie in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. uh, because you know the sin that's in their life, and thank God that he he's a merciful God and and you know that we know that he draws all men, you know mm-hmm. that he, he draws people to us by degrees, He's not expecting us to uh to change everything all at once. We right. understand that, but when you see people that are constantly dealing with the same sin over and over and over yeah. and, and they're still coming, well, you have to question who's on the throne mm-hmm. of their life, right. I mean, because they're serving flesh; they're serving their self, right? And it's because they don't. God doesn't do what they want Him to do. Mm. Wow!
1: And so that that thought came from uh, in the scripture, uh, Genesis forty-one forty. Uh, of course, Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. They they sold him into into slavery. Uh, of course, God had favor on his life. God had a plan for Joseph's life, and he was uh, given that favor and exalted in in the kingdom of Egypt and in Pharaoh's house Uh, and and throughout all of that Pharaoh comes to him and says you know here's what I'm going to do at your word everybody in my kingdom you say do something and they'll do it even the Egyptians I want to make you second in command only to me because I sit on the throne and so that that really jumped off the pages to me a couple of weeks ago as I began I was studying for Sunday school that what inhabits the throne in your life can be the only thing that has the rule over your life. And so there again, it plays into the fact that God is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force you into relationship with him. So if he's not on the throne in your life, he's not your master. Your master is whatever is on the throne, whether it be your job, your money, your, your flesh or whatever it is. And so I just, I found that interesting that because Pharaoh was the one on the throne, he said, I'm the only one that has uh, any more authority over you. But uh, outside of that, you've got to say so. Um, so we must be careful who or what we allow to to sit on that throne in our life. And of course, uh, to enthrone something, uh, unless it's always been there, there has to be a dethroning. Yeah. Right? And so if I, when, We serve the flesh, we serve the world, um, and all of us come to God that way. So there has to be a dethroning of something if you're going to allow God to sit and take place on that throne.
0: We see that dethroning uh, when that preached word goes forth and you see people respond to the word of God Mm -hmm. and they run to an altar and they lay everything down on that altar. When you see that happen, they've been dethroned in their life, and they've placed God on their throne. Mm. Uh, Now, a lot of times, unfortunately, people leave that moment, and they immediately find something they want to do, and they place themselves back on the throne. But uh, at least in that moment, people can be delivered. Right, I mean, if they, if they put God first and they continue to, but it, it goes back to that slave mentality. We were uh, talking a little bit before the podcast about uh, the Stockholm Syndrome. Mm. And <clears throat> I believe that it's it's because with Stockholm Syndrome, uh, if someone is kidnapped and tortured or abused, whatever the case is, uh, that, that person will form an emotional attachment with their captor or their kidnapper. Mm. Uh, and it's to deal with the stress and the anxiety of, that, of the situation that they're in. And so I believe that we sem- we do that uh, in ourselves mentally. We do that with the sin and the the things of this world that become the comfort to us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know, people come to church and they they find their way to an altar. They they dethrone themselves and, and allow God to to change their life. Maybe you know they're, they're baptized, they they baptize, they fill with the Holy Ghost, and they we think, man, they really got it. They're going to do good. And then they go and they go home, and immediately it's like well what happened yeah and it's because they formed such an emotional attachment they have that slave mentality such an emotional attachment with the things of this world and and when things don't go their way they they automatically revert back to what to, what I did then right I mean, it takes uh, 21 days, I believe, uh, that to create a habit. Mm-hmm. And and living for God is no different. We just have to create different habits. Yeah, We have to create a habit and a culture of, I'm going to wake up every morning, I, I'm going to thank God that he's, you know, number one, he's protected me, he's kept me, he saved me, he yeah. delivered me, yeah. you know, he set me free. Maybe he's healed my body. Maybe, you know, he's provided for me in ways that there's, you know, I couldn't provide for myself. And, and I want to read his word. And so I'm going to create those type habits in my life life. Yeah. Instead of, uh, sitting around and, and wishing I could be back here and wishing I could do this over and, and, you know, thinking and reminiscing about those things. I need to be focused on creating good habits with him on my throne.
1: Absolutely. And you, you said something, uh, you know, it takes 21 days, they say to create a habit. And, and that reminds me of something you talked about in your Sunday school lesson. I'd like you to, uh, speak to uh, today is, the fact that it only takes a moment to get out of slavery right. but the process is in staying free could you could you talk about that
0: so i've i've asked the question many many times uh of the lord in prayer because my life was a mess i mean uh, a lot of our of uh, the listeners may not know my story i know that you know and our church mm-hmm. knows it but uh, I was raised in the church, but uh, you know, when I was 17, I, I took off and made a mess, and you know, drugs and alcohol addiction—that that was all, mm-hmm. all my life. And and when things went sideways in my life, when uh, when I was at the very edge, I was ready to take my own life. I was, uh, you know, I was at the very bottom of bottoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I immediately, and I, I feel like it was because of how I was raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew exactly what to do. Right. I knew that all I had to do was call on the name of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's a blessing because there's a lot of people out there that don't understand the power of the name of Jesus. Right. I never, even through all the sin I went through, I knew and I believed in the power of that name of Jesus. I just didn't want to go there.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, because to me, I was scared of the change. I I thought it was going to be so difficult, and I didn't want to face trying to to you know to, uh come off of those drugs and have withdrawal symptoms of the yeah. things that I, I, didn't want to deal with all that. Right, uh, But when the time came and I, I realized I didn't have a choice, I made that prayer. I prayed literally one prayer wow. and I believe God delivered me from all that stuff. Amen. He, I mean, he set me free. He removed the addictions from me, the anger from me. Mm. I mean, he turned my life around in one prayer. Wow. And I believe that that is a blessing the way I was raised. And, and again, not everybody has that, but from that moment on, uh, I realized then that that was the easiest thing I'd ever done, but living for God from that point on right. is where the difficulty started. It's no different when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. Mm. Uh, I mean, the Lord provided for them. He, you know, he parted the Red Sea. He made mm-hmm. a way for them. They walked right out. He, he fought the battle for them. Right. They didn't have to do anything other than just follow Moses out, Yeah. but once they got out, uh, that's when the problem started. That's when they started complaining. That's when they started questioning and doubting Moses yeah. and, and questioning well, we're just ants because they were stuck with that slave mentality. Right. They'd been beat down their whole life. That's true. So that they couldn't they never escaped from that. So really what it amounts to is is that we have to create in us a separation. Mm-hmm. And and people like to I, I use the comparison of holiness and separation. Uh, holiness is God's wholeness. Mm-hmm. That's what it has to be compared to. There's nothing in us as humans that we can uh, aspire to, to be holy.
1: No, he's the standard.
0: He's the standard right. of, of all holiness because holiness is wholeness. He's yes. the only complete one That's right. that there is. That's right. And so the world and sin has broken us. And yes, God can put us back together, but we must separate from those things mm. that broke us if we want to continue towards his wholeness. Wow. If we continue to dabble in you know, the sins that already he delivered us from that were the things that broke us, yeah. then we're going to continue on with brokenness, and we can never be holy. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's, that's really good. And the fact that the children of Israel, and you alluded to this, God can take a lifetime of sin and do away with it and make it all right in one moment a lifetime of sin and he can turn it around in a moment and thus the crossing of the Red Sea coming through the water. Of course, we know that's typified in baptism in Jesus name. We come through the water and, and the sin stays down. We come up, we're a new creature, but, and just on the other side of that water, we find that they broke out the tambourines. They, they sing in a new song. They're, they're praising God. And it's, it's almost like a, a, a mentality shift. Had taken place that they now, you know, they see the bodies of the Egyptians washing up on the shore and they say we're free. And so we have a new mindset now. My mindset is I'm not, I can see that I'm no longer bound. The the, the enemy is dead. But what happened was just a few days later as they, I mean, it shouldn't have taken them long at all to get to the promised land where they was headed. But the flesh kicked in. Yeah. Right, and and I find it so interesting that uh, it, throughout you know just a couple of days here, God just part of the waters they walk across on dry ground and they get a little thirsty, you know their flesh starts to they get a little hungry and they start murmuring and complaining. Where is God at? Where is God? and so they start to revert back to that mentality, that slave mentality, to the point where they said, "Just I'd rather be in Egypt. I would rather be in slavery." Than to be thirsty,
0: slavery fed me. Yeah, slavery provided for wow. me. I didn't have to work for nothing.
1: Yeah, so that's a scary place to be to think that you can be uh, delivered from the bondage, the sin, the shame, and that's what Egypt was. Egypt in the Bible is is a, a type and a shadow of sin and bondage, um, and so we can be delivered from that. Uh, those change that that addiction, whatever it is in our life, but then the moment that God does not answer us when we want him to, the moment he doesn't do something we think he should do in our timing, we want to revert back to the thing that was so quick to satisfy the desires of our flesh, and really that's the problem. It's the desires of the flesh, right? There was no spiritual deficit there, there was no spiritual need that was not met, God was freeing them, but the fact that they were hungry, which is a desire of the flesh, and thirsty, a desire of the flesh, and even when God provided, there was a point where God gave them 12 wells of water, there was a point where God sent manna down from heaven, he was providing for them, but it wasn't the same as what they were used to. Right the the manna they got tired of the manna they said you know what what is this food from heaven and and that's a that to me that scares me to death that God would offer me something to sustain me and just because it's unfamiliar and it's not what I've been used to I don't want it man that scares me
0: it, it does scare me uh, because uh, I, as you were talking I looked up this scripture Second uh, Corinthians ten and five. It says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Yeah. That every thought to the obedience of Christ. Where does our imagination come from? Mm. Our imagination comes from past experiences. Right from the things we've been through Memories. the things that we served the yep. things that we we done the things that we allowed into our life and if we don't that Paul is telling the church at Corinthians that we have to all of those things we have to take every thought yeah and cast it down cast down those imaginations right. cast down the the longing to go back look at Lot's wife he, yeah there you, you know go. i mean she uh my grandpa always said that Lot's wife had to be a saint and, you know, we think about, well, how could she be a saint? But she raised two virgin daughters yeah. in the most evil, wicked city that it had ever been. So she obviously had something going on. But that whole time, she looked back with longing because she desired those things. Yeah. She may never have done them, yeah. but she wanted to do them. Right. We have to cast down those imaginations. Mm. We can't lust after the things of this world. We can't desire the things of this world. We can't feel like, I, that's what I said Sunday, was if you want to, to live a life after slavery, you got to walk away and never look back. Wow, you you got to cut ties, cut friendships. It doesn't matter what it is. There's nothing worth being enslaved again over. Right uh, after God has delivered us from it. My
1: my my. You know, it's it's all. I, I wished I had uh, this prepared, but I know that I've I've read about and I've studied about even in the animal kingdom where there is a. Uh, in some species, there are separation anxieties to where, if one um, mate, um, you know, say the male, uh, whatever animal it was, I can't remember, uh, but if they pass, there is a separation anxiety, and there is a condition. Um, you have to forgive me because I don't know the terminology, but it's it's pretty much um, broken heart syndrome, and it, you will it will kill you because you what you are so used to spending your time with. And what you've been around for so long, when it disappears, when it's taken from you, it 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 does some, uh, something on the inside, and it it it's no different with us. And we see that in Lot's wife. Lot's wife, obviously, as you alluded to, uh, she had those things. Even if it wasn't in her hands, even if she didn't partake of it, uh, it was in her mind. And that's really where the battle is, right? It's it it begins in the mind, and of course, we know that through our uh, our thoughts—if those thoughts can begin to manifest and make their way to your heart—and then the Bible says, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." Yeah. And you'll start speaking things into existence, and it all ties back to what you allowed to happen in your head. And of course, we—you uh, know—I didn't—I didn't think we was going to go here, but if we're talking about about that, let's go. Let's go to Calvary. Uh, it was called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And I don't think that that's coincidence, the fact that Jesus went to that place to die, to give his life up, because I believe on that place, the place of the skull, is where he was an overcomer, where he overcame death, hell, and the grave right right there. And so I think that he was ultimately saying uh, that through his blood, his innocent blood that was poured out on Calvary for us, we are maybe overcomers of the mind of the
0: skull—that uh, definitely is—is is where the battle is. I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, I just—I feel like as the church, that if we can change, you know, typically we think, uh, you know, oh, if we can just get this message to them. If they can just hear this this message, if they can just and, and as ministers, uh, I feel like you know we pray and we we study and we put together lessons and and messages that we feel like if if somebody can just hear this, mm-hmm. man, this can change their life and and it can it, it very well can, but nothing we do or say will make any difference if someone doesn't have the made up mind. Right, and they're not willing to to fight that battle of the mind. Yeah, if we're just willing to go, I've heard it said that um, uh, you can't uh, keep a bird from landing in your hair, but you can keep it from building a nest. Mm, yeah, yeah, And so if we if we don't constantly cast down those imaginations. Mm-hmm. We'll never win that battle of the mind. We're going to continually be turned back to that slave mentality that's going to keep beating us down and telling us we can't. That's why people don't quit uh, smoking and quit drinking and quit quit doing those things uh, because they can't overcome that battle of the mind. Right. They, right. they they let the bird build a nest, yeah, and they sit there and they dwell on it constantly, yeah. Instead of casting down that imagination and saying, you know, God delivered me from it. I'm going to walk in freedom. I've yeah. been set free. The Israelites did the same thing when they walked out of Egypt. Yep. Was like you said, wasn't you know just a day or so in here. Uh, well, we don't have no water, and now we're hungry, and yeah. and you know we're just ants, and and you know we should have just stayed back there because yep. they fed us, they yep. took care of us. Mm-hmm. And, and you and brought us out here to die. You brought us out here to die. And, and that's, that's what we think is that, you know, when I lived in sin, I could always depend on my buddies. You know, when I was depressed, you know, mm-hmm. they'd always come see me. We could always, you know, party or, you know, there was always something that would pick me up. Yeah. Now at church, you know, everybody, all they want to do is just preach at me. Mm. Yeah. Because they're not willing to fight that battle of the mind.
1: Wow. You know, I think that there's a, a chemical component to this. Um, I don't know if that's the right terminology, but I, I can say with a surety, it's been, oh uh, Lord, it's been probably ten years or more, at least ten years since uh, I used to dip tobacco. But I can tell you, and I can be honest with you. I, I mean, I don't, I don't do it anymore. Thank God, He delivered me from that. But at the scent of that, yeah. that you know, grizzly wintergreen was what I liked. I liked it. And if, if somebody was to open a can around me, my mouth begins to water. Yeah. That's, that's something, uh, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't do it anymore, uh, because I've been delivered, but my mind will never allow me unless God delivers me of it, but my mind will not let me forget the taste, the smell, uh, what it, what it, what, you know, whatever it did to my body and when it was releasing, uh, you know, whatever it does. Um, but it it has an effect on me physically. Uh, and so I can be around somebody at work and they crack open a can and my mouth literally begins to water. And there again, and I, and instantly my past comes up. Yeah. Right. It's brought back before me. And that's that imagination. It's it's that thought yeah. that's coming back up. And I have to take that. And you said this one time and I, I I hold on to certain things. I don't know why, but this is one thing that I've held on to. Uh, you said it's like, uh, you know, you uh, you try to imagine uh, something. If it comes back into your mind uh, as on a piece of paper and you take that paper and you crumble it up and you cast it down to the ground in order to cast that imagination down. And I find myself doing the same thing. Uh, when I smell that smell and when my mouth begins to water I, and I'm reminded of my past, I have to take that and I have to throw it down and say, you know what? I'm not there anymore. I've been freed. I've been set free.
0: He has blotted out the handwriting of ordinances against us. Mm. Wow. So when, when, when we are reminded of our past, yeah, uh, we can do one of two things. We can dwell on that and woe is me. This is what I've done. And, you know, and, and we can just, uh, just let that consume us, yeah. or we can walk in freedom. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, it's been uh, 13 years ago for me in October that I quit dipping, yeah. and I, I'm no different, brother. Somebody opens a can, if I smell it, my mouth starts watering. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's just insane. It. I tell people that all the time, and I think they think that I'm joking, but no, you're not. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's very real. Yeah, <clears throat> And it's that, that mental yeah. connection, that yeah. slave mentality right. that uh, – <clears throat> That my flesh desires that, mm. and really, what it done to me is when God delivered me from it, uh, it ended up making me so mad. The smell of that, and the the just because I wanted it, yeah. And, and I, I made the the statement Sunday that when I when I lived in sin, when I when I was doing the things that I shouldn't be doing, <clears throat> I give it everything I had. Yeah, I mean one hundred percent, and. Who am I to think I can live for God any less than that? Mm. And so when, that, when those thoughts come up, it makes me so mad, spiritually mad, yeah. that that's one of the reasons why that I do that, that I, I literally, men, we're visual creatures. Yes. And, and I picture in my mind, in my imagination, I take that and I, I, I see it in front of me and I wad that up and I cast it to the ground. I feel like for me personally, maybe that doesn't work for everybody, but I feel like there's power in that Yeah, because I'm taking a stand in that moment that I know the devil can't read my mind, but my flesh knows exactly what it wants. Right. And every time that I can tell it, no, you're not getting it, Mm -hmm. we're going to live for God, Mm -hmm. every time I do that, spiritually I get a little stronger.
1: Yeah. You know, it's one thing uh, to be strong enough. In Christ, to cast down imaginations and to take a stand and say, you know, it stops here. Um, you and I both have similar testimonies in that um, we come from generational uh, chaos and and drunkenness and drugs and abuse and all these things, and it was generational. Uh, but when when I made up in my mind and you as well, um, it stops with me. That's right. This will not be passed on. My kids will not face the same battles and have to deal with the same nonsense as I did. It stops with me. Now, the devil's going to bring something against them that's not, you know, not going to be what I had to go through. Uh, they're not exempt, uh, but at the same time, um, the buck stops with me. However, and we see all these things that we deal with in the Scripture. I see when Joseph died, you know, We saw about Joseph earlier. When he died and he was gone, well, there was a new Pharaoh that rose up who knew not Joseph, the Bible says. And that new king who didn't know Joseph, didn't see the value in him, didn't see the value in, in the one who serves the one true living God who can reveal dreams and interpret these things, because he did not know Joseph, that is really where the slavery uh, and the bondage of the children of Israel began. It was, you know, take all these, kill all the newborn uh, boys. If they're girls, you can let them live. But we've got to stop them because they're going to multiply to the point where they take over, and we cannot allow that. And so, I think that we must be careful uh, not to only fight for ourselves and and our own mental stability in in Christ, but we must be aware that, uh, and I and I, I said this on not this past Sunday but the Sunday before that if your enemy does not know who you are that's a problem he yeah. needs to know who you are and and so I want him to know who I am I want him to know that if he shows up in my home to fight my kids he's going to have to come through the blood of Jesus and he can't do it so there's a there's a there's a border there um but the fact that this new pharaoh did not know Joseph uh that was a problem and that's really what landed them in in slavery he says look well you know we're going to just make them slaves and put taskmasters over them and and, and make it really hard on them. To kill them if you have to. And, and I just see that playing out. Uh, if he can't get you, he's going to come after your kids.
0: I agree 100%, and it takes many forms, uh, as you were talking about that. Um, so there came another Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. Mm-hmm. So he is the one that enslaved the people. He was very recognizable. Mm-hmm. The people had no... Question at all? Who was enslaving them? Yeah, they could look and see Pharaoh. That's the master. That's who's on the. Right. That's who's on the throne. Yep. He's the one in control. He's the one that has enslaved. He's the one that has us in bondage. Yep. Fast forward to the end of Joshua, first of Judges, and what does it say? There arose another generation that knew not Joshua. Mm. So because the spiritual leadership, wow, right, that had passed down didn't pass it down to the children like they should have. Wow. All right. That's when we see them enter into spiritual slavery. Wow. From that point on, they begin to serve. It says, "Men done what was right in their own eyes." Yep. They begin to serve self.
1: My, my my They
0: no longer had a recognizable enemy. Wow. But they had flesh as the enemy. So it's And twofold. the desires of the, what they wanted, what they thought was right, and then it, and again, it then sent them. It was several hundred years later. It sent them back into physical slavery.
1: Wow. So spiritual bondage and slavery and serving self ultimately led to physical yes bondage and slavery. That's, there's there that's a that's a whole lot right there happening. I wonder how many things, how many physical things we go through are are a result of our spiritual decisions
0: because we don't recognize we don't see the pharaoh on the throne mm. because it's ourself right <laughs> yeah. See well,
1: yeah, I guess we're we're so busy looking for yeah. some recognizable uh, recognizable taskmaster yeah. when we're but we're not willing to look in the mirror.
0: Ooh. Come on somebody. Yeah. There that's it. Woo. Wow. It says, like a man beholding his face in a glass. <laughs> turneth away and forget what manner of man that he is. There it is. Feel the Holy Ghost. Woo. Come on somebody. My, my. We must self examine. We must the Bible says we must examine ourselves by washing and regeneration of the word. If we're not putting that word in us and and literally changing our minds, yeah. literally changing the way we think, the way we function, yeah. we're always going to revert to serving self.
1: Wow. Scripture says to be transformed by the renewing That's of right. your mind there has to be a transformation yeah. i believe you could say it like is a transplant yeah you know there's there's uh been positive cases of brain transplants
0: i've heard of of some of that I've,
1: and so yeah. think about this the bible says take on the mind of christ yeah our mind is not good it's it's faulty it's yeah. it's it's got problems uh it's it, we're we're uh We've been in slavery and in bondage so long that we've taken on, we've become, uh, like you alluded to, with that, that disorder where, Stockholm uh, that Stockholm syndrome to where we, we tend to even fall in love with, and we, uh, you know, it, it's, it's odd how that happens, but you almost get, you grow an attachment to the thing, the taskmaster over you. But that's our in mind. Itself. In itself. But when you take on the mind of Christ... You become selfless because that's what he was. Yeah. He became sin that knew no sin. That's the most selfless thing that you could do was to step down into humanity, the ones who, uh, who did you wrong, the ones who turned their back on you, the ones who did the very thing you said not to do. And you know they're going to crucify you but, you, but yet you go down, you robe yourself in flesh, and you go die on a cross that they deserve. That's the mentality that we've got to have. And when you take on the mind of Christ, I believe that that's, it changes the way that we think. It changes the way that we see the world. And and I'm praying every day, Brother Blake, God, help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to love people the way you love them. Because in my mind, I'll judge them. If if I was God, yeah, I'd have wiped them off the map. But, that's not how God would have done it.
0: No, He God surrendered His will to the cross, mm-hmm. to Calvary. He so He surrendered. Yeah. Uh, I, I made the statement several months ago. We were having a conversation with uh, uh, Brother Daniel Walter and uh, a couple other gentlemen sitting around after our revival services with him, and and uh, <clears throat> I made the statement that as a man in this world, uh, especially living in sin, it is. I mean, it is a struggle for survival. Yeah, it is. I mean, we're literally grabbing and fighting every day trying to stay afloat Yeah, mentally, physically, financially. I mean, it's it, it's a struggle. It's right. like we're constantly fighting yeah. and we're holding on to everything we can grab a hold of, thinking that that's what we need. This yeah. is what we need. Right, and right, we're right. grabbing for everything. Uh, and what's so hard for some people is when we uh, when we come to the Lord, understanding that. We've actually, even though we feel like we are holding one to those things, they are enslaving us. Yeah. And to truly live for God requires a surrender. Yeah. Just like He surrendered. Yeah. And so for us to be victorious, we have to surrender. And that's a mindset we it's just something we can't wrap our minds around that in order to win, I have to give in. Yeah. I have to surrender yeah. to be victorious. And that's that's our human minds can't it's hard for us to to comprehend that. Yeah. But when we understand that I'm gonna surrender my will to his because I've got to put on his mind. I've got to do what he did. Yeah. I've got to serve like he did. That's right. That's everything I do, I have to serve the way he did. Selfless. Yeah. I have to surrender myself, my will, mm. my flesh. I gotta surrender my, my, my. if I want to be victorious.
1: Kingdom Speak, actually, I was listening to Kingdom Speak, Pastor Daniel McKillop and uh they have Brother Townley back home and they alluded to that very fact. They said, you know we come into the church and we sing the song I will give you all, I'll give you all but then we leave the church and we try to get and get and get and what all you know, grasping at every little thing and, and, and but we sing the song I'll give you all. I'll surrender anything but yet our actions speak something totally different. And I wonder if that's, that has to be the slave mentality. A slave mentality can say one thing, do another. I want to be freed from that. I want to, I want to be renewed. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I want to take on the mind of Christ. Uh, because I don't think that we can be effective for the kingdom of God without his mind.
0: I agree, and I I have uh, one more example for you that that demonstrates exactly what you said. Uh, My grandfather, a lot of people uh, may know him, Reverend Farrell, um, he was raised— through the great depression. He was born in 1925. So, uh, the depression was, you know, moving forward or, you know, they were getting past it, but he grew up in a very poor place called Cabin Creek, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Uh, His family was the first one that had a vehicle on Cabin Creek. I mean, he, he really had to endure some stuff. I mean, that old generation that those elder people, man, they were tough as nails. I mean, they, they just had to struggle and fight and claw for everything they got. And, Many, many years later, uh, after 2012, uh, he started – actually, before that, 2009, I started living with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, 2012, know, 13, 14, 15, he lived with us, me, me and my wife, for, for those several years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was constantly having to talk to him. And uh, I opened up the bottom of our sink, and it was completely filled with Walmart bags. Mm. I mean, thousands of Walmart bags. And I'm like, Grandpa, what? why – he said, "Well, we might need one for something." I said, "We might need one, not a thousand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if there was a, a country crock butter tub or, or any kind of plastic container, he saved it. We might need it someday. Wow. So it's because that they literally had to grasp for everything. Wow. That he he just felt like if he let go of anything, he was going to need it. He was, and and that's mm. the mentality. Wow. That we have, I know that uh, he was a he was a great man, and uh, he was a praying man and a pastor for forty years. And uh, but when we begin to serve the things of sin, yeah. uh, we're constantly living without, and and we have nothing. As a slave, a slave has nothing. Yeah, they have no uh, belongings. They have nothing right. that's their own. And so immediately when they're freed, they're going to try to to grab everything they can grab. That's true. And so if we're not careful, we carry that freed mentality. And we start grasping for things that were there when we were enslaved because mm. that's all we knew. That's all we had. Wow. Uh, so I don't want to bring that mentality into the church. I want to grasp for and hold on to spiritual things and heavenly things and, and things of God's kingdom that he desires for us to have, yeah. not the things that comforted me, not the things that I that I thought that I needed yeah. in this world, Man. no matter what it is.
1: That's the the rich young ruler. That's what it is. Jesus comes up to him and says, hey, or he says, you know, hey, what do I got to do to be a part of your kingdom? I want to come. You know, I want to be a part of this thing. What do I got to do? Jesus says, what? Go. Give everything away that you have. Give it away. Surrender it. And follow me. And the Bible says that he was brokenhearted. He, he got real upset because he had great possessions. Yeah. He had been grasping and getting all that he could get his whole life, and he would not relinquish those things to gain the eternal.
0: Had it all, and was enslaved by what he held on to. <sighs> my,
1: my 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 my. Well, I I, I want to encourage you today, listeners. I, I'm encouraged today to evaluate, reevaluate what I'm holding on to, and what I'm willing to give up. I, I want to be able to give up anything that I can give up to gain heaven. To the old song says, take this whole world. Just give me Jesus. Jesus. That's what I want brother Blake. Thank you so much for coming and joining me, especially on such short notice. We're so glad to have you on the disciples dialogue again. And uh, it's always a pleasure to sit down and talk with you about the, the great things of the Lord. And uh, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for what you brought to the table today. Um, I want to get rid of that slave mentality.
0: Amen. Thanks for having me, brother.
1: Amen. Well, until next time, we're praying that all of you are blessed. We're going to try to uh, get some more episodes recorded in the near future. But until then, we are praying for you uh, and hope that you take this, what we've talked about today, and apply it to your life and get rid of that slave mentality. Be blessed in Jesus' name.